The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. We are back with another episode of Let's Talk. Today, we're here to talk about anti-Asian violence and what it means to be in solidarity with the Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander communities in this moment. This episode contains content that may be alarming for some of our listeners. My name is Toral Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. And you're listening to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Anthony, we're back and we're here to talk about a very serious topic of things that are happening in our country right now. And as you know, you know, I identify as Asian. So this is something that's been extremely hard for me. It's been challenging thinking about how this might affect my family. And so before we kind of dig a little bit more into the topic itself, let's tell our listeners what has been happening. Can you tell us what's been going on? Thank you, Toro, for sharing what you just shared. I know that this is something I definitely want to revisit later on in the episode uh, in terms of solidarity. But just to give some context for our listeners who are curious about what's specifically going on in this moment. So there has been an increase in anti-Asian hate crimes due to COVID-19. And so we're just going to share some data, some statistics from organizations that have compiled this information about the severity of this particular issue in this moment. So according to an organization called Stop AAPI hate. So AAPI, just for some additional context, is Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander. From March to August 2020 alone, there were over 2,583 reports of anti-Asian attacks in this country. So that's 2,583 reports. Toro, can you imagine if you got that many reports through the bias reporting tool? Right. Yeah. No way. That is way too many. It's a lot. And that's just up until August of 2020. So we're currently in March of 2021. In addition to that, towards the end of January and into early February, there were specific attacks that happened that we also want to share. Specifically, an 84-year-old Thai man was pushed and killed while walking on a sidewalk in Oakland. In addition to that, there was a 64-year-old Vietnamese-American woman who was assaulted and robbed in broad daylight in San Jose, California, and a 61-year-old Filipino-American whose face was slashed with a box cutter while on the subway, and that was in New York City. So I think it's just important to name this, that this is an issue that's happening, and there are videos out there, there are images, I've seen them all, unfortunately, and it just, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to know that this can happen to anybody, but especially the fact that it's happening specifically to Asian, Asian American Pacific Islander folks is really key because there's also been some research that shows that Asians in particular have seen a 1,900% increase in hate crimes since the start of COVID-19, which was about early last year in 2020. Toral, do you have any other additional data statistics that you want to share with our listeners? So a couple of more points here is that hate crime incidents have been reported in 46 of the 50 states. And so that tells you it's prevalent across our nation. And then also 32% of Americans have reported seeing someone blaming Asians for the coronavirus pandemic. And then the last uh, couple of statistics I want to share is that Asian hate crimes increased by 114% in Los Angeles 
and by 867% in New York City. Just imagine that it's been increased by 867%, right? Wow. And so if the increase is this high, it makes me wonder, right? And these are the reported cases, right? And so it makes me wonder how many cases actually go unreported. So it's just staggering for me how much of an increase this is. Right. And I think it's just important to name too that Yes, this is happening during COVID-19 in particular because there's just been a lot of misinformation about the virus, just a lot of stereotypes and assumptions about it, too. And so that's really where this comes from and its correlation with COVID-19. At the same time, I think it's also just important to remember that there have been biases and discrimination towards Asian American, Asian Pacific Islander communities even before this. And I think it's also important to name that it most likely will continue after COVID-19. So it's being heightened in this particular moment, but it's not necessarily a new issue, but it is something that needs to be addressed because of just how severe it is. So Toro, to continue this conversation, I think it's important to also name whether or not we've seen an increase in bias incidents towards Asian communities as well. There's this assumption sometimes when I do these trainings that a lot of these things that are happening outside of Cornell don't happen internally here at Cornell. And so As somebody who oversees the bias reporting tool related to staff and faculty, what have you been seeing? Are we seeing a similar trend as well? Yeah, you're definitely correct, Anthony, that a lot of people tend to assume that somehow we're in this little bubble and that what happens within the country doesn't necessarily happen on our campus. And, you know, I hate to be the one to kind of pop that bubble or break that bubble, but we're not immune from that, right? And so we have definitely seen an increase in bias reports related to students, faculty, and staff, specifically towards Asian and Asian Americans within our own communities. So just knowing that these incidents are also happening here at Cornell, what is it that we can do? Where do we even start to have these conversations to make sure that these incidents don't continue to happen, at least here at Cornell, but also to be mindful of the fact that these incidents continue to happen outside of Cornell and that they affect specifically our Asian communities who work here, who are students here, just our Cornell community, broadly speaking. I mean, where do we even begin? Yeah, so I would definitely say within our own community, I would continue to encourage everyone to report, right? Anything that you experience, please report it because if we don't know about them, we can't help address them. So that's number one. I also think that it's important to check in with your fellow colleagues, And then, Anthony, from your perspective, in all the trainings that you do, how can we be in solidarity with our Asian, Asian American communities right now? Well, one of the key things that I always tell people is that if you're looking to be in solidarity or show allyship to a particular community, do it with them, not for them. And so not to reinforce this notion that you're doing something for a community, because it kind of reinforces the separation of there's you as a privileged person, but then also them in the outside group that is not aligned with your own identity. So in terms of really showcasing allyship as well as solidarity, it's to do something with the community. And so continuing to one of the first things I thought about was elevating the voices of Asian, Asian American Pacific Islander communities that are being directly impacted by this violence. And so there have been some articles, which we'll put in our show notes for this episode from people who identify as AAPI folks who explicitly name the issues that are happening in this moment and the need for people who are not 
Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander folks like myself to continue having these conversations to break down these barriers and to combat against these biases and acts of discrimination and specifically these hate crimes that are happening across the country. Another thing, too, in terms of the check-in is be intentional with the check-in. So let's mm-hmm. let's not ask, and you know, I wouldn't ask you this, but this is just an example of, Toro, what do you feel about that? I mean, you already explicitly named how you feel about everything that's going on as someone who identifies as Asian, but whenever you see violence being done to a personal identity or a group that you belong to, it's right to feel a ton of emotions, anger, frustration, mm-hmm. anxiety about what's going on. And so just being intentional with that check-in to be more about how can I support you in this moment? Right. And so I haven't asked you that directly, Toro, but I'm going to ask you now is how can I support you in this moment for you specifically? Anthony, I'll be honest and tell you that I think you do this on a regular basis. And the first and foremost, and this is why I actually said checking in is important because that's what you do with me almost every day, right? It's more like, how are you today? And like, to your point, the other question is how can I help, right? That's a great way to start. I also think that we can also, each one of us individually can really reflect on how we help perpetuate some of these stereotypes and some of these biases that occur. So in terms of making sure that we're not using terms that are racist in nature, like Kung flu when referring to the virus or China virus and calling it what it is. And if we see some of this stuff being reflected in our social media, you know, taking that step and the possibly the action where you stand up and you take that opportunity to educate somebody else, right? And so I think those are key things that we can all do. Because when it comes down to it, the bottom line, I truly feel, and I'm going to quote an actor named Daniel Day Kim. And what he said was that it's not about one community against another. It's everyone against racism. So we all need to take that stand against racism. Absolutely. And what I hear that, right, is to make sure we're sharing the facts and not the myths. Correct. And when I think about myths, especially towards Asian communities, I think a lot about the episode we did a few months back with Hey Hey, where she talked about xenophobia and she talked about a specific incident that happened to her here at Cornell that stemmed from anti-Asian discrimination and biases. And I think about the model minority myth. So just for some context with the model minority myth, it's this notion that particularly Asian communities are seen as the quote model minority as a framework for how other communities should also, particularly historically marginalized racial and ethnic groups, should also be like or subscribe to act in terms of what it means to be a model minority, whatever that means. And so this is something that stems back from the 60s. But what I appreciated and what Hei Hei shared in her experience is that it's a form of violence, right? It's not a physical violent act, but that myth in and of itself perpetuates these violent acts and continues to do so not just within the community but also for other communities outside of asian identifying folks as well and so there's just a lot of harm that's been done through this myth as well so just wanting to really emphasize this notion of making sure we're spreading facts and not reinforcing the violence that comes with myths like the model minority myth right and to add to that model minority myth it's also indicating that when you are part of this model group that somehow this model identity or this model group is thriving or they're excelling. And that's another myth that we want to make sure people are aware of, that every minority group, every ethnic group struggles and that there is not one ideal that we need to all strive to be a part of. 
The other thing I want to mention, and I'll say this as a form of solidarity that may not necessarily be tangible for everybody, but what we've been seeing in terms of articles and things that have come up is that Chinatowns across the country have been financially impacted by COVID-19. And so one of the ways in which you can showcase solidarity if you live in an urban setting like New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles is to be able to support local businesses within Chinatowns across the country that have been impacted by COVID-19. So that's another thing that you can also consider in terms of solidarity. And we're actually going to put a link from a New York Magazine article that has specific organizations that if you have the financial means to do so, to be able to contribute funds to these organizations, please feel free to take a look at that article. And that can also be another form of solidarity if that's something within your scope that you can contribute to as well. And you can support the local businesses even if you're not from an urban area, right? Definitely within your own towns or cities. I think the most important thing to remember from all of this in terms of the content from this episode is to make sure that we're not staying silent about the violence that is happening towards Asian communities in this particular moment. So whatever it is that you do, continue to have these conversations, bring these issues to the forefront, whether it's within your families or even in a workplace setting too. But the key and the main takeaway I hope people leave with is that we cannot continue to be silent when these issues come up. And if that's anything that we learned from last summer's incidents of racial injustice that were happening across the country, it is that the moment to be silent has ended and we must continue these conversations in a way that's going to be productive and going to challenge us to think about inclusion and the importance of equity and diversity and belonging more broadly. Yeah, Anthony, what a great message to end our talk today on, right? And it's this it's concept of continuing this work and that we all have a part to play in continuing this work. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and submit a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and the show. For the latest updates on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Cornell, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. My name is Toral Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. This podcast is a production of the Department of Inclusion and Workforce Diversity in collaboration with Cornell Broadcast Studio. We would like to thank our co-producer and sound engineer, Bert Odom-Reed, as always, for making us sound wonderful each and every episode. Thanks, Thanks Bert. Bert.